Thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions, please email us at info at If you would like to support this ministry financially, visit us at capitalchristian.com and click the Give button in the top right corner. Thank you for having me. Uh, I've been a friend of the family for, uh, geez, I don't know, 40 years. It's been a long time. Ken and I, uh, we're in the same leadership team there at Portland for a long time, and then we started our churches about the same time. I think you left right after me or before me or two years after me. And uh, so it's been good, been a good journey. Uh, I'm uh, very impressed with uh, your, your pastors. I know you've had them for a few years now with Chris and Kelly. Um, but I'm very impressed with them. I just want you to know that. Not that I need to be impressed, but uh, I'm impressed with their uh, leadership, that they have a, a cut above leadership style. I met with their leaders last night, and it's a real reflection on them. So responsive, so hungry, so easy to teach. And I've watched him with the uh, staff and different people and how he treats everyone and just his whole uh, mentality toward church, leadership, pastoring, and what it takes. And, and Kelly, gee, why would you have me when Kelly can preach? I'm thinking, I'll just give her my honorarium, call it good, catch my plane and go home. I mean, geez, Kelly, you, you are a preacher woman. You're a preacher woman. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. I was impressed. Okay, I'm, I'm impressed. Uh, and that you're going to have twins. I'm impressed. I'm impressed with that. You already have twins. You're going to have twins. You're the only person I've ever known that has two sets of twins. Personally, the only one I ever know. And so you're a special person. I, I, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to give you money. No, I'm not going to go that far. Uh, but wow, what a beautiful family you have. Just the children, uh, uh, the whole thing. Just you guys are blessed. And that's a church. Treat your pastors good, would you? Uh, you know, every once in a while, send them a card, tell them something, you know. You don't know all that it takes to pastor a church, but it, it's a lot of stuff that happens to be able to pastor a church. And uh, I, I just, you know, the older I get, the more I, I have a son who's also a pastor. Um, you just want to encourage him. The, the best thing you can do is encourage people. Lift up their hands and be for them and, you know, it's just the little things that people remember. It's the little cards. It's the little comments. Uh, you know, you want to forget the bad, and you should. You want to remember the good. And so be the person that they remember. And when your name comes to their mind, they think, oh, that card, yeah. Wow, they're such not, oh, them, yeah. I hope they don't send me another one. You know, be the other person. And encourage and lift up and, and stand with your pastors. You have a great church. You have a great city, great state. Uh, I was downtown last night. Wow, downtown Idaho, Boise. Can you believe all that's happened with downtown? I mean, it's like uh, you guys have come into the 21st century. I mean, it's, uh, it's amazing. It's beautiful. It reminds me a lot of what Portland went through about a few years ago. And the growth. And uh, there's a price for growth. Uh, so, you know, we put signs everywhere, told all the Californians to go home. Uh, but they actually fueled the economy and helped us. But uh, you have a beautiful city, and uh, your growth is amazing, and your weather, and your church. You've got a great future. 
Uh, I think your downtown campus is a great idea. Uh, I'd like to see you do more campuses. Uh, church plants a great idea. Uh, I mean, th that's a great couple. They've been friends of ours forever, and they will build a great church. I just sat in Orange County last weekend, and uh, that, that, if you're going to get a call from God, that's where you want to go. Uh, you know, Orange County is beautiful. The only secret weapon is you can't afford anything. Uh, you have to sell your children to buy an apartment to rent. You sell two kids. Uh, but, you know, God will provide, and, and that's the way it happens. All right. Uh, it's great to be here. And uh, turn to your neighbor and say, I like him already. Thank you. Thank you. Now, I, I just appreciate that love and acceptance that I feel here at this church. I'm going to talk with you for a few moments about this subject, taking your life to the next level. How do you take your life to the next level? This will apply to everybody in the room. There's nobody sitting here that won't get something out of this message. If you're brand new, if you're on a journey to even find God, or you're getting back to God, or you've been in church a long time, or you've been there and you've been through a lot, or you got stuck somewhere, uh, there's a lot of different angles that everybody lives their life. And so I think what I'm going to say will apply to every person in the room. The next level statement, take your life to the next level, not rocket science for me to interpret my title. You would understand it. You would say, okay, um, this is the message that's going to challenge me a little bit. Uh, no matter where I'm at, I might be encouraged to move a little bit. Yep, that's uh, kind of what I'm going to say. Uh, I might need to go to a new God level. Mm -hmm, yeah, that could be uh, part of what... I might be hinting at today. I might have been stuck somewhere, and I need to get unstuck. Yep, 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 that was it too. That's a good thought. Uh, I might not know what the next level is, and maybe I don't want to go there. Sure, that, that's good. Uh, you, can, you can have that thought. Uh, you know, I might have the wrong idea of the next level. Of course, you know, we all do. Uh, the fact is, God wants you to go to a higher level in your life. And the level he wants you to go to is much better than the level you're on. And the level that he will take you to will not be defined by your own mind and by your own past or your present circumstance. It'll be a new description, new definition of a new level that God wants to take you to. If people are unhappy with their life, I have good news for you. If you're unhappy with your life, change it. All right? If you're not happy with how life is coming at you, change it. You have the ability to change life. You don't have to stay in a rut. You don't have to stay in a place where all you do is whine about your life. You can actually begin to confess good things about your life and change your life. If you're unhappy with your marriage, no, you can't change your marriage. Uh, you fix your marriage. Turn to your spouse right now and say, I'm staying with you, hon. No matter what, I'm, no matter what he says, I'm going to stay with you. All right, here's our definition of taking your life to the next level. Requires a breaking out, a letting go, and a stepping out. So there's a breaking out, a letting go, and a stepping up. Sometimes we're good at one of the three or two of the three. It actually takes all of the three. 
You have to break some things. You have to let go of some things. And you have to step out and step in and step up to some things. Stepping out, stepping in, stepping up, stepping through, stepping over, stepping across. All of those are steps. They're harder than just staying in the boat. So you have to be the person that not only breaks out of where you are, but then you have to let go of what got you at that place. And then you have to step into something that's new and step up and step up and step through. There's some activity here. Lazy people in the realm of the emotions, not just lazy physical but in the realm of the spiritual, the emotional world, the life we live, sometimes we get lazy and stuck, and we don't want to use any energy to get further. And so I want to encourage you to let go of laziness today and let go of emotional laziness and let yourself kind of get retuned into life because it could be that your life is not over yet. Well, that's a thought. It could be, it could be that the best is yet to come. It could be that the worst that has happened have set you up for the best that could happen. It could be that God's smarter than you. Well, that's a thought. It could be that God has a much better plan written than you would ever write. So open his book Quit reading yours and think about it. As Kelly exhorted, he's good. He does good things. He thinks good thoughts. He has good ideas. He's good to everybody. And sometimes his good, we don't have the response of how good he is. Sometimes we expect the not good so much that we actually begin to path to the not good, so much so that we begin to build for the not good. Wouldn't it be fantastic if all of us built for the good and that we actually believed that the next level of living, no matter if you're 10, 20, 30, 50, 100, the next level is better than the level you're on. Do you remember when you were unsaved? Unless you were, you know, born Christian. I remember what it's like to be unsaved. It wasn't fun. It wasn't good. I remember what it's like to be confused. I remember what it's like to have fear. I remember what it's like to have depression or no purpose, or just wag my head and think, crazy world, what is the good of it all? I remember pre-cross. Thank God Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly and that we don't live with those thoughts. Letting go, stepping up. All right, every life, every one of us today, we have next season, next level, next miracle, next door. We have these four things that happen sometimes simultaneously and sometimes all within the context of time. We all have seasons that we live. All the seasons are good, but we can't always see the good in the season. All the seasons are right, but we can't always see the right. All the seasons are productive, but we can't always see why. A season can be a length of time that God ordains for your life that is not something that you can control, and it's not something like the natural realm where it's going to be three months, five months, six months. A season in God's kingdom could be five years. For Joseph, his season 
was 14 years. For Moses, it was 40 years. And you start going through the people in the Bible. And when God said to Jacob, I want you, you know, he's getting counsel from his friend and his friend, his mother, who actually was the manipulator of all mothers. Jacob's problem being a supplanter was not his problem. It was his mom's problem. His mom is the one who caused all this trouble. But God gave her that personality so she could mess things up. So <laughs> she's the woman that says to him, you know, do all this, steal the birthright, steal from Esau. And then Esau says, I'm going to kill him. And the mom runs over and says, hey, uh, problem, you know, my plan is really good. You, you're going to get the birthright. You're going to, but now Esau wants to kill you. So you got to leave for a little while. And I want you to go over the mountain. And over the mountain, you're going to find on the other side my, my friend, who is my relative, your uncle Laban. And he's going to take care of you. And this is what she says to him. I want you to go and you will go for a few days. It'll be a very short time, and when you return, Esau's anger would have lifted, and we'll all live happily ever after. So Jacob believed her, went over the mountain, but on top of the mountain, he had an encounter with God. That's the whole Genesis 28 thing, where he has the stone and the open heavens and the ladder and the encounter with God. He's by himself. He's tired, by the way. That's the first encounter. Never had a dream. Never had open heavens. Never had a word from God. He had a word from his mother, who was not a good mom. And so he's now entering for the first time into a word from God. And God says, I have so much for you, Jacob. It's going to be amazing. Uh, I'm going I'm to lay out before you dreams and visions and the land. And, and you're not going to lack for anything, and I just want you to honor me. And Jacob gets his dream, and then he goes to Laban, and then Laban begins to misuse him, takes advantage of him. And he's there for a very long time. Should I get under the table? He's there for years. He has a family, he has children. Sometimes God will say, I'm going to do something with you, and it's only going to take a few days, but God really meant uh, it's 15 years. Oh, and, and also you're going to get beat up with Laban, and he's going to take advantage, and there's going to be a lot of stuff happen. By the time you get back, you're going to be a changed man. And by the way, on your way back, I'm going to meet you, but this time I'm going to, I'm going to break your leg, and you're going to limp the rest of your life. Hallelujah. <laughs> going to be a great journey. Come on, Jacob. Let's sing that song. <laughs> Sweet name, Jesus. Come on. Faith. Singing about faith. Faith is great on the screen. It's a little harder in life. So Jacob goes. He comes back a different guy. Now, this is my point. Every season has a lot of levels. And every level, you have to have some miracles. And miracles open new doors to another level. And so when you go through seasons, the seasons of God that God has for you and me, those seasons are loaded with prophetic things that are happening within that season that you cannot see. You cannot interpret. You know, I think back how my life has been hung, like the theologian said in the early days, they would hang mountains with threads. And so sometimes I feel like my whole life was like that. I would, I would hang mountains with threads, meaning so many big things in my life were held by a thread. And when I think about it, 
when I, when I met Sharon, who would become my wife, I had no idea she would become my wife. And her dad, Kevin Connor, had a flat tire in, on his car, and I'm going to church. Kevin's a special speaker. I pull over to help him with the flat tire, not knowing who he is. So then I find out he's the speaker, and then I find out he has a daughter. But I don't think anything about his daughter. She wasn't that, you know, great. I mean, uh, oh, this tape might go to her, too. I mean, in the sense, she's 16 years old. She's curly-haired Australian girl. She, I, I have no, there's nothing that would say, oh, wow, that's the woman. There's nothing there. Later, later, it was 10 times that. I couldn't control myself. She was such a magnificent, unbelievable, beautiful woman of God. I had to have her. So much so that I never got a chance to propose to her. She proposed to me. That's the truth. So how would I know stopping a thread hanging a mountain? When I went to Portland to visit, I was in my Volkswagen van. I'm a Californian, born and raised in California. I'm on my way back to California. I stopped to do the camp at the Holgate camp there, the old camp meeting where Charles Green was speaking, and they're having a camp meeting. And I'm sitting there just as a, as a young guy. I'm doing nothing. I'm just driving my Volkswagen van. I'm going back to California. I stop at this camp. I had met Brother Dick the year earlier, just met him. I don't know him at all. And something in me says, stay and go to college. Why? Well, that, you know, California, you're flaky, you do anything. <laughs> so you think, well, maybe so. So I went up to Brother Dick, he's on the platform, and he, and he knelt down to talk with me. So I'm, I'm on the, at the altar area. He says, uh, what do you need, Frank? And I said, uh, you know, Brother Iverson, I think I'm going to stay and go to college here. He stared at me for a few seconds, which kind of was unnerving. He says, uh, it will be hard for you. <laughs> Why? You're from California. <laughs> so, have you read the rule book? No, and I never did read it. <laughs> but the very first thing they said to me as soon as I enrolled was, you have to cut your hair. I had long hair. I said, what do you mean, cut my hair? Cut your hair. You can't be here with long hair. Jesus had long hair. <laughs> we don't know. And then they said, cut it so that your hair doesn't touch your collar. You know how short your hair has to be so it doesn't touch your collar of your shirt? It's, it's like prison. <laughs> so I did it, and I stayed. But that one thread in that one season was going to take me to another level, to another door that I had no idea that my whole life would be reshaped by one decision that I thought was a fluke of a decision, but there's a sovereign God in heaven that works with the flukes of our decision and works with our little threads that we think don't mean very much.
God has a way of architecting our future that he doesn't let us in on it. He lets us think we actually know what we're doing or that we really are in charge. But you're not. God is the architect of your destiny. And he knows exactly. And, and if I was saying this is the God that you can never trust, you never know, he throws your curveballs, he, he teases you, he brings you to the door, then he locks it, makes you beat on it, then he laughs at you. Too bad, the door's locked, you can't get through. Ah. I mean, if it was God that way, I would say, wow, this would be a horrible sovereign doctrine to give you. But God is good. And God loves you. And God does everything for you. And he, he's thinking about you all the time. You're written on the palms of his hand. That, that symbolic idea that, that God has everything about you in his heart. He wants to lead you and guide you and bless you and help you and, and bring you to a new level and a better level and keep you moving up and, and, and give you chances and opportunities you could never, ever write into your own story. He's the best writer. He's the best author. He knows how to write the sneakiest novels. If I had to add a name to the names of God, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nissi, Jehovah uh, Makedeshikim, all the names of God, I would add another one. Jehovah Sneaky. <laughs> I'll tell you what, that's who he is. And I prayed it before. I said it to God. You are sneaky. You're Jehovah sneaky. You set things up. You don't let me know. You, you bring me around to a place I don't even want to be in. And then all of a sudden I'm there and I can't get out. You lock the door behind me. And then you say, isn't this wonderful? Come on, let's sing a chorus, Frank. This is wonderful. Lift up the name of Jesus. This is awesome. Not awesome. How did I get here? I have a plan for you. I know, but I don't like the plan. I don't know the plan. I don't understand the plan. If you understood it, you wouldn't mess with it too much. So God is so sovereign, so sneaky. The way I finally met my wife, as far as getting to know her, we're both in PBC now. We're in the English class. They seated everybody by alphabet. Connor C. Damasio D. A, B, C, D. Who's next to me? Sharon Connor. Sharon Connor. Now she's no longer the 16-year-old curly-haired, whoa, Sharon Connor. Whoa. Uh, you know, I just feel the Holy Spirit seated us together. Do you feel there's something happening that you're C and I'm D? Who would have known a simple thing like a classroom seating could be another sneaky Jehovah? <laughs> oh, oh. Here you go. CD, CD. Now, when you go to the class or the youth meeting, the small group tonight or wherever you go, don't look and say, hey, hey. <laughs> this could be it right here. We're boating together. That's the first step. It might be. It might be. I doubt it, but it might be. <laughs> All right. Jehovah's Sneaky's doing some stuff in your life to take you to the next level because your next level is so much better than the level you're on. And he does it so uniquely. And I mean, all of us could tell so many stories right here. 
All right, here's scripture for you. Revelation 4, verse 1. Revelation 4, verse 1. Now, the scripture, just so that you know I know, I'm going to apply it to you individually. So you're going to take Revelation 4, 1 down, and you're going to actually say, this is my scripture. If you're taking notes, you're going to say, this is my scripture. This is a scripture for me. I know that the scriptures, the Apostle John and the Isle of Patmos, right in the book of Revelation, right around the turn of the century after the early church had come to its almost end of the first century. And John is writing this specific book called the book of Revelations, the book of Apocalypse, the book of many visions. And so as John's on Isle of Patmos, he's writing the first three chapters. John is writing about the church and Jesus has visited the church and they're talking about the church. There's no visions and dreams in John and Revelation chapter 1, 2, and 3. But when you get to Revelation 4, Revelation 4 is the beginning place where now all the visions are going to start coming and they're going to start unfolding and they have prophecy and they have uh, actual uh, words that will put the humankind in a state of trying to understand what will be the second coming of Christ. They, they just now had the first coming of Christ. Now John's going to talk about the second coming of Christ, not understanding how long that coming will be, if it's uh, 500 years, 1,000 years, 2,000. John had no idea. In a way, John was writing as if it would happen right now. The second coming was going to be any moment. That was kind of the way it was written. But John is going to have many different revelations that come to him. That's the context of Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. Did you write all that down? Thank you. Okay, now, I'm going to read the verse to you, and you're going to take it personally. All right? Application. Application. After this, everyone say out loud with me. After this, just remember my emphasis of words. After this, I looked. Everyone say out loud, I looked. And a what? A door. Now, these are the words that I'm putting in front of you. That, what? Opened. After this, I looked, a door opened into heaven. Then the voice that had spoken to me at first, that sounded like a trumpet, said, everyone say out loud, come up. Come up. Everyone say, here. And I will show you what must happen. What's the last word? Yes. What's the title of our message? Next level. Come on, say next level. So we're talking about next, 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 next season, next level, next miracle, next door. And Revelation chapter 4, verse 1 has in it the ingredients that I think would encourage you to understand kind of how the next can take place. First, the words after this. After this is actually referring to John's after this, after the first three chapters, after the thing was said, after the voice, after the trumpet, after, you know, that's his. But for us, after this simply means in the early writings, the Greek writing, after this means pause. Take a pause. It means pause for as long as it takes. Stop because something new is about to unfold. Now, I want you to write that down. I want you to think about what I'm saying to you. I want you to understand after this is the word coming to you this morning, even though it might seem funny that a guy would preach on two words from the 
Bible-like after this, but after this actually means that you can have a pause, you can have a reflection, you can have a, a sovereign feeling that God is trying to do something. Why? Because there is something new that is going to begin to unfold, and God doesn't want you to miss the new. He doesn't want you to be so busy that you can't see or hear or do the new, and so he's saying, I want your spirit to pause. I, I want you to relax. I want you to stop. I want you to quit worrying. I want you to quit knocking on all the doors. I want you to quit trying to write everything out. I want you to quit trying to figure it I want you just to back up to the place where you would just say to me and say to yourself, relax. God is in control. God is over this. I'm going to take a pause. I'm not going to try to interpret circumstance, interpret open and closed doors, interpret dream. I'm not going to try to interpret my own passion. I'm going to stop because something is about ready to unfold. And I don't want that something to be hindered by my little fingers messing with it. So God says, stop, pause, reflect. Something's about ready to unfold. And I want you, the next two words, I looked. And this is the idea of a continual focused staring. It's, it's the idea of, of attaching yourself to something and looking. And what, what I'm saying to you and what this scripture is saying to you, I want you to pause Something, something good is about ready to unfold. Something supernatural with dreams and visions you could never have for yourself. Things that God's going to bring to your mind, bring to your heart. You're not done. You're, you're not in a place where God's finished with you. The best is yet to come. The good is yet to come. The destiny is yet to come. All that, that God has in his hands for your life is yet to come. And it's going to unfold. It's going to start. And God is saying, I want you to stop. I want you to pause. And then I want you to put into your heart a look of faith. I want you to stare at me. I don't want you to stare at the waves. I don't want you to stare at people. I don't want you to stare at the past. I don't want you to stare at anything else. I want you to focus on me. Don't take your eyes off me because I'm about ready to do something very unusual for you, very good for you. I don't want you distracted. Distracted. I looked. Wow, and I saw a door. Can, can I prophesy with my eyes open? You don't know what that means. It's simply I just want to speak into your life. God has a door for you, and it's just as real as this right here or any door. In the spiritual realm, there are gates, there are doors. In the spiritual realm, there's openings. In the spiritual realm, there's openings that change everything on earth. And God has a door for you, and it's right there. It's right there. If you could actually see it, you would be so excited. You would be so pumped. You would be so filled with faith. You would, you would move to open that door. And God is saying, I want you to look to me because I have a special door that I'm going to open for you. And I don't want you to miss it by looking at other doors. I have a door just for you. Don't worry about Sally or John or brother, Sue, uh, brother Tom and Sue or anybody else you're working with or your friends or your family or other people you'd like to be like, I wish I had their door. I wish I had their door. I deserve that door, but God doesn't give me those kind of doors, but they get those kind of doors. If you keep looking at other people's doors, you miss your own door. Comparison, competing, griping, whining, interpreting. I 
saw a door. And it opened into the heavens. So the door that God's going to give you open for you is one that's going to open into a realm that you've not been in before. It's a supernatural realm. It's a spiritual realm. And by the way, you can't really see God's things, God's doors, God's death, unless you get into his realm. Our realm is not like his realm. And that's why he says in Isaiah, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. My ways are much better than your ways. If you want to know my thoughts are higher, everyone shout higher. That sounds to me like going up. You got to go up. You got to see that. You have to change the way you think, change the way you perceive. You got to get into a spirit of intercession, spirit of prayer. You got to rest on the Holy Spirit. There's, there's something for the church to experience in the spirit of prayer and intercession that I still don't think the church understands and we don't do enough of. The best thing that you can do as an individual is not read everybody else's novels, not read everybody else, not watch everything else, not go everywhere, not... Do all that stuff. The best you could do in your Christian life is get into a spirit of prayer. And in a spirit of prayer, there will be open heavens and thoughts will come to you from the God realm. And if you are smart, you'll journal those thoughts and not even try to interpret them. I look at my journals now and some of the things I wrote down like 20 years ago and I think, wow, when I wrote them down, I had no idea, no idea, no idea whatsoever what God was saying. But now it is crystal clear. It is so unbelievably crystal clear. I want you to understand God doesn't just talk to pastors and missionaries. He talks to you. He talks to people. He has thoughts for you. He has revelations for you. He has doors for you. He wants you to reach. He wants you to go forward. He wants you to understand you're not finished. Even if you're stuck that bad, that's in the past. You're going to open a new door into the heavens. What happens when you open a door? Then the voice can't have door without voice. That had spoken to me in the first and sounded like a trumpet said, okay, here it is. Come up here. Why? Because there, it's not as good as here. So what about here? Here is where the vault that I have for your life, the words, the promises, the prophecies, the dreams, the visions, the healings, the miracles, the doors, the seasons, the levels, I have it all in a vault called by your name. So I want you to come here and not live there because if you live there, you don't know how much is here and if you make decisions on there, not knowing what is here, you'll have limited decisions, limited dreams, limited everything, and you will live a limited life on a lower level. You don't want to be in a lower level, do you? I don't think so. Then come up. Then come up. Here. Every person in the room, you have a here. Why? And I'll show you what must happen next. Okay, the word here used on next means this. Write this down. Something carried beyond its former limits. Something carried beyond its former limits. Whatever your next is, it's nothing like your past level. It's a new one. 
something that carries you beyond the other limits, the former limits, the past limits. If you judge your life by what you have achieved and then try to just add to that achievement, you forget that what God is doing is a new level, not based on past achievements or past failures or past anything. The new level is based on the new, the new spirit, the new voice, the new everything, and he'll grace you to get there. I want you to imagine what would happen to your life if you went to a level that was so good and so wonderful, you would have to say to people, why did I not go here before? It's an unbelievable new level in my life. Your next level will be new. Every level that's new means there has to be a new you for that new level. The old you can't experience the new level. Your old faith is not good for the new level faith you need. The old patience, the old endurance, the old, the old you, where you still got away with messing with God's plans a little bit. You still got away with calling your own shots once in a while. You still got away with backing off and just not even letting God do anything with you for a while. The new level will demand new you, new obedience, new passion, new love, new, which means you probably should fast and pray and get a new heart, new spirit, and new level of understanding about where you're going and say to God, I'm ready to go to the next level. I think you can change me and do whatever you want, and I am ready to go. I'm not going to stay where I'm at. God says, are you sure? Jacob, are you sure you want to go to Laban's house? Oh, yeah, yeah, just a few days. No, no biggie, no biggie. A few days to you might turn out to be 15 years. Oh, well, that's not so bad. I mean, he'll pay me well. No, he's going to take from you. He's going to do to you what you did to Esau. What? Yeah, he's going to use your weakness against your weakness to show how bad your weakness is so you never go back to that weakness. You will hate that weakness so much. You will move away from it so much that you will be so sick of that con art Jacob that used to get his way and manipulate people and steal things. You will move so far from that. Nobody will even recognize you, but I have to use fire with fire. I'm going to use somebody worse than you to break you. So you're working for the boss you hate? Hello. <laughs> you feel some people are not honoring you? Hello. Manipulation is never God's way. But it's man's way, and some Christians call it prayer. Some people call it spiritual, but they're trying to manipulate people, manipulate God. They're bargaining with God. If you do this, I'll, I'll do that. And if you give me this, if you let me marry her, I promise you I will be the most wonderful man of God this church has ever seen. So we bargain with God, and God bargains with us. He says, okay, okay, you want to marry her? 
Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, she's not what you think, but she's what you need. So after you're married for a while, you think, this is, this is so hard. This is not what I expected. It's not her that's got to change. It's you. Now the women are saying, hallelujah. <laughs> About time somebody laid this out. Of course, it works both ways. I still been married. I've been married 42 years. We have four children, two grandchildren. We have a happy life. And I tell Sharon, we had 30 great years of marriage. <laughs> but I still wonder why I got her, because I got the better deal. She got the worst deal. Honestly, she got the worst deal. I got the better deal. She's better than I am in, mo in most every way. She's smarter. She's disciplined. She's got integrity. I have all those things, but just I think she has more. So I actually think I got the better end of the deal. So I tell her once in a while, I think, I think you got the worst end of the deal. Now, what I want her to say, <laughs> right? What I'm hoping will happen here is that she will say, oh, no, hon. No, 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 no. No, you're more than. But when she pauses <laughs> and she's thinking, and then she says, Well, God gave me to you for a reason. <laughs> so I said to her, Last time I did this, I said to her, Sharon, I think you have the gift of compassion, and you need to use it on me. Sometimes God gives us what we need, not what we want. God gives us what will shape us, not what will let us have our way. God will put you in a PBC like I was at 20 years of age in a place to tell me to cut my hair. And, and then, then they would tell you when to go to bed, when to get up. I'm from California. You don't go to bed and you don't get up. So now I have a 10 o'clock curfew. I can't be outside the dorms after 10 o'clock. I also have another rule. I can't talk with girls during school time. I can't sit with them. I can't lunch with them, only if it's homework. I can't go anywhere. You have nothing to do with girls. And they, they took everything that's good away. <laughs> but what did I need? Some discipline boundaries, new way of thinking. I would not have done it on my own. Most of the things we need, we can't do on our own. So God creates a fix that he fixes us with. And if we unfix the fix that he fixes us with, he fixes another fix to fix us with. Because he's the guy who knows how to fix you the best. Trap you even though you're screaming and yelling and you're in the corner and you're threatening God, I won't serve you. I won't do it. I won't. If you keep doing this, I'm going to walk away. And God just keeps pressing you to the corner. Is it just me that is this bad? Does anybody else identify with this sermon? That's all? 
All right. Accept what is, let go of what was, and have faith in what will be. I'll say it again. Accept what is, let go of what was, and have faith in what will be. It'll be new, it'll be good, it'll be great. Now, I'll give you one last scripture. 1 Kings 3, 5. That night, and this is when Solomon's going to enter and take the throne from David, and he's going to be the king, the best king the kingdom's ever had on both sides, Judah Israel. Of the 38 kings, he's going to be the, the number one. He's going to be the number one. He's going to be the smartest, the richest, the most powerful. That night, this is before he takes the throne, that night, there in Gibeon, where he lived and also where they would establish a new tabernacle, God appeared to Solomon in a dream, a God encounter. And God said, what can I give you? Solomon, what do you want from me? What can I do for you? Solomon answered the right way because he said to God, I want wisdom to take the people in and out. I want knowledge to pastor and shepherd properly. I want to protect your flock. I want to protect your people. I want to serve your dream, God. Those are your people, and I want to serve your dream. That's what I want. So you're not going to ask for your enemies? No. You're not going to ask for wealth? No. You're not going to ask for honor? No. You're going to ask wisdom to serve my dream. And you're not asking about your dream. No. God says, you're exactly the man I chose. Because when you choose God's dream first, your dream will always get done. Choose your dream first, and your dream has a great potential to not being done. So God said to Solomon, you know what? Because you chose the right thing, I'm going to give you riches, honor, influence, wealth, and I'll take care of your enemies myself. And I'm going to bless you like no other king has ever been blessed. People are going to come from all over the world just to talk with you and just to see your wealth. I'm going to do all that for you because you didn't ask for it. That's what it says. You read your Bible. Because you didn't ask for it. You asked the right thing. How can my life serve a greater purpose? So what do you want? Oh, I want a better job. I want a new car. I want, I want, I mean, we have a lot of things in us that we would ask immediately and God would say, sorry, you missed, you missed the, you missed the door. The door is lay your life down. Don't pick it up. The door is go to the cross first. The door is serve, wash other people's feet. The door is taking someone else's goods that doesn't belong to you and treat them better than your own. The door that God puts before you is a secret door. It's not what man thinks. It's not how man goes about. But that's the door that will put you to the next level. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Capital Christian. We hope you will stay connected by following us online. To find out more information, visit us at capitalchristian.com. 